Yo, yo, what's up, everybody? Big Sky Breakdown, SkylineSportsMT.com. Coulter Nuanez. Brooks Nuanez is going to be back next week. He's been on the other side of the ocean. He's back in the country, but he uh, hasn't got a chance to really fully take in the last couple weeks of Big Sky Conference action, so that would be irresponsible of us to have him analyze it. He obviously was paying attention, tracking the scores, all that sort of stuff, but hasn't really gotten to really dig into the games. Kind of tough when it's a nine-hour time difference. But the rest of the starting lineup will be here today. Ty Gregorak. We'll talk all things uh, Big Sky Conference, Cal Poly plus Montana uh, over Idaho. And we'll also hear from Andrew Houghton a little bit about Grizz basketball as well. Grizz on a bye this week. Bobcats play at Sacramento State. So the Cats coming off of a 59-19 win over Cal Poly. A little bit interesting. Our interviews podcast is going to be really heavy on the Sac State-Montana State game. We have interviews with Andy Thompson and Chris Richardson and Caden Bennett, all of Sac State. That's the head coach, the offensive line coach, and the quarterback, respectively. Also from Sean Chambers and Brent Vegan as well. Uh, just a little bit different content schedule just because we have guys all over the place. One team's on a bye, one team's coming off of a lackluster win, but the Cats have this premier game, but we also wanted to save a lot of those interviews to play them on the radio first before we put them in the podcast. So anyways, uh, that's where we're at. Uh, Ty Gregorak and... Uh, Andrew Houghton here on this analysis-based Big Sky Breakdown, SkylineSportsMT.com. Well, back like we never left, SkylineSportsMT.com. It's the Big Sky Breakdown. This is our analysis podcast for the week, and we're joined now by Ty Gregorak. And uh, Coach Ty, I got to ask you, first and foremost, we talked the first three weeks of the year about your old alma mater, and uh, we don't have to spend too much time on it today, but talk about the pendulum swinging. I mean, Colorado's the hottest thing in college football during the first month of the year, and uh, now they're still one of the biggest storylines in college football. Uh, I mean, that was a, uh, I watched that thing Friday night from the Corner Club in Moscow, Idaho, and uh, watching Colorado blow that 29-0 lead to Stanford just, uh, I mean, that was absolutely brutal to watch. It was, and, you know, now you've got pundits talking about how Stanford's a tough football team. Come on. Stanford's not Come good. on. They're, they're not, they're not, you know, but but now they're, they're tough to play because of what they did on no I mean listen what he's done is awesome uh it's it's incredible but they're still not a great football team in particular they're, they're really bad on defense and they're really bad up front uh, on their offensive line but yeah to give up you know to give up that kind of lead it was just kind of embarrassing you know and it was too too bad to watch because you know like if you look at the way the schedule plays out like that game you know kind of a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about the make or break for for Montana and UC Davis like that game was kind of a make or breakish in terms of uh, yep. postseason play you know getting into a bowl just because you know Arizona's playing better Oregon State's tough UCLA is tough I mean their their remaining schedule they you know they might be able to get another one or two but. Yeah, man, that was kind of a that was a big one in terms of getting bowl eligible again, which is just crazy to think that, you know, we're talking about pounding your chest over a bowl bowl eligibility at Colorado, but that's kind of the way it's been for a long time now. So, uh, you know, I think he's done some great things. He's going to get athletes. I mean, there, there's there's great players all across the nation that have been watching this stuff over the last month and a half on Big Noon and 60 Minutes and game day and I mean it's incredible so you know you know people are looking and watching and recruits are seeing this stuff and um I think that the trajectory is only you know it's only going to go up because of everything he's done and and the infusion of life and swag and juice that he's brought to the program but yeah that was that was brutal to watch man that that uh I mean that's, that's that's almost a 30 point lead 
I mean, I'd love the to biggest blowing lead in Pac-12 history. Okay, I was just going to say, I was going to ask you, and then you're so good at, you're such a wealth of knowledge culture, but yeah, I was going to be like, is that some kind of a record? 29 point lead and lose. That's bad. Bad ball, man. So whatever, they got to, they got to somehow eke out, uh, what, are they, is it, what are they at now? Four and, four and three? I think that's think right. Or maybe even four and four, maybe three and four. They're, they're, they're right there around 500. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, again, they're, they're, they're bowl, getting into a bowl and then shoot, they take half of FBS football anymore in, in the bowls, you know. So I hope they can somehow squeak out a couple more wins to get bowl eligible, and that's all I'll say. Well, uh, on the other side of the coin, though, what a classic Pac-12 game between Washington and Oregon. Did you get a chance to see this? I got to see some of it, yes, but not not a ton. I mean, you were probably getting ready to go Jackson. on the TV. Yeah, J- Jacks had flag football. I actually went from I was I was suited and booted at Jackson's. Like I showed up, and I looked like Tom Landry about to coach eight year old flag football. <laughs> um, but uh, no, I didn't get to see much of it. But yeah, that epic. I mean, I know a lot of people that were at the game, and just you know to have to have Washington and Oregon both be so good, and then to put up that kind of game, and Michael Penix and Bo Nix and. You know, it's just, we've talked about it throughout the season, man. It's crazy when you think of some of the firepower and star power in the Pac-12 when it's a defunct league, man. And it's just kind of kind of sad because I, I, the Pac-12 is such a cool conference and it's been a conference. You know, they call themselves the Conference of Champions. Well, really, that's just because all their other varsity sports have been so successful uh, through you know throughout co- collegiate athletics. But it sucks to watch a great conference go by the wayside. And uh, what a what a game, though. Yeah, what a game. I mean, Washington. I mean, people are starting to put Washington in the you know in the first place votes. I mean, that's how good that's how good they are. They so should. At, they uh, they should. I mean, you look at Georgia and Michigan and Ohio State and Washington. You know, Oklahoma. I mean, it just the, the it's very very cool. This would this would be a very cool year to me. If if it if the playoff had already been expanded, you know what I mean. Instead of four, if they were to you know do eight or twelve, what a fascinating year in college football this would be. Because you know you look at I mean SC SC's really not that good. I mean they got Caleb Williams and, and some dudes, but they're so bad defensively. You know uh, Washington, Oregon. I mean we named all these schools. It'd be just fun to see these see a lot of these programs duke it out at the end and um i don't know when is when is the college football when, when are they saying that will expand i mean oh, you know, i think that they're like trying to tease it's going to come here or there or wherever but i think they're just truly waiting to see how it all goes and how it all fractures and see i think yeah what they're going to do is they're going to wait till everybody redistributes between three or four conferences then they're going to cut off the little guys and say group of five you're out figure it out we're having yep. a new tier of D1 football for the elites and then a new tier for the middles and then a new tier for the bottoms. And I think they're just, I mean, so I don't really know what the timeline is. They've said it's coming next year or in the next two years, but I think they're dragging their feet intentionally to see how it all redistributes. And that's where, I mean, if that, if that happened, that would be kind of the, you know, you and I go back and forth on this all the time about, the, you know, a potential move up for these two schools in Montana. And that would be more intriguing to me where if everything was a lot more, you know, like if, if there truly was a group of five postseason play or, you know, a group of five championship, because I, I've never liked that, you know, Montana and Montana State get to compete for national championships, you know, and if you move up, really good chance you'll be able to do that. I mean, look at James Madison, Coastal Carolina, Appalachian State. They've had some good years, good programs, I and mean, they're awesome. I'm middle of FCS schools, and I love watching them, but they, realistically, they don't have a chance to ever win a college football playoff national champion and i just think that if you if there was a fracture you know if there was the 
the the power five and then the group of five or whatever you want to call it that that would be intriguing uh just because the you know the two fan bases here and they love football you know and and, and frankly you turn on mac games and mountain so you know certain mountain west games the two the two venues in the state of montana are dramatically better than a lot of those schools so you know it's just you, you got to fund it and more scholarships and you know coaches salaries and et cetera, et cetera. but Lots of good stuff in college football going on right now, man. It's a lot of fun storylines, you bet. Well, uh, speaking of teams that are a long ways away, I think you saw one on Saturday. Very interesting to watch. I mean, the best team in the league in Montana State, and I think that that's pretty cut and dry now after everything else has sort of played out. Certainly the Cats are going to have to prove it big time at SAC this weekend and at Idaho the following weekend. But to this point right now, seven games in, the Cats are the best team in the league by a lot. And then I think there's another tier – that involves a whole bunch of schools that have either been rising or falling or sort of figuring it out or trying to prove it or all that. And then then there's this bottom tier. And even Northern Colorado, who's still searching for their first win, you know, they've been competitive against Weber. They were competitive this week against Sac State. Cal Poly hasn't been competitive. And and it was it was almost brutal to watch that game because the Cats were trying their best to not just – I mean, the Cats committed turnovers, muffed punts, did all sorts of stupid stuff in the first quarter, and they still scored 21 points in the first frame. They're still up by four touchdowns at halftime. And, you know, they're playing guys for the first time ever in college games that are still scoring touchdowns, and they had to completely and utterly shut it down to keep from scoring 70 again. They still scored 59 and I know a lot of people were saying, well, they maybe left some stuff out there because they looked kind of clunky in the second half. Well, that's what happens when you're playing a dozen-plus guys that have never played in a college game before. Yeah. I just thought it was startling to truly see the, the most talented, deepest, best team in the league against the, the opposite side of that coin. That must have been a, 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 an interesting and difficult game to call. It, it was interesting. I, mean, I think multiple times throughout the night, we just said, you know, it's kind of a weird feel, a funky feel. I. I don't think I'm being too outlandish when I say that I think Montana State can be as good as they want to be. I mean, I'm I'm serious. I I I've watched a lot of FCS football. I think they're I I you you mentioned that they're the best in the Big Sky. I think they're the best in the country when they too. want to be. I mean, I really I really do. And um, you know, you get you get both quarterbacks going, and people over here, you know, that people are asking my opinion at freaking you know youth ball games. I'm like, don't ask me that right now. <laughs> Just like, don't talk to me. <laughs> I think Sean Chambers is incredible. I really do. I think he is a. I think he is a b- legit FCS dude. I think he's really good. But you know, Tommy's got the it factor, and he's you know he, he's got the, Tommy in his first game back after weeks of not playing. He did some great things. Um, I know you and I. I mean, I listened to your deal with Wolf last week, and yes, I had to comment on the game for three and a half hours and. You know, we, you just find yourself making excuses. You know, it's like, okay, we know they ran the wishbone and, you know, bone bone triple option mechanics for two decades, and you know they were a flex defense, and that flex defense made the offense tougher and the bone option made the defense tougher. The bottom line is, Coulter, out of the last 50 games, Cal Poly's won 15 of them, all right? They're 15 and 50. In, 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 the, in the last, uh, you know, half a dozen years. The last winning season Cal Poly had, which is just insane to say for guys like you and me, like when we think about Rich Ellerson and Tim Walsh and all the Buck Buchanan Award winners and, like, just some dudes, their last winning season was in 2016, and they Whoa. were 7-5. and five. Yeah, I mean, they were 7-5 and five in 2016. Since then, I mean, since then, only, only I only know this stuff because – 
because I had it all written down. 2017, one and ten. 2018, five and six. 19, three and eight. 20, zero oh and three in the you know defunct spring COVID season. 21, two and nine. 22, two and nine. 23, they're two and five. So, you know, we can we can talk about. I mean, listen. I said you can only say you can only say so many things. Like San Luis Obispo is incredible. What a gorgeous place to go to school. What a gorgeous place to recruit to. It's an excellent school. You're going to get good, you know, top tier student athletes. You know, but you got to go recruit. This is the same stuff you you were saying last week. You got to go recruit. Yeah, go recruit. And you, you got to go recruit. And, and, and oh, by, oh, by the way, buddy, they've only got a half dozen players on their whole roster not from California. I mean, you got you got one of the one of the best recruiting bases in the world, right there, right there. Minus Texas, minus Florida. I know Ohio thinks they're the greatest football playing coaches and, and players of all time, but California puts out a lot of dudes. And yeah, I mean, there, there's just it, it, it's not even people are talking about how the cats didn't look good. Are you kidding me? I mean, you you, you said it best. Like they had to do everything in their power not to put up seventy or eighty points. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm serious. You know, you watch a kid from Missoula get his first touch, and he goes almost untouched into the end zone untouched that's not that's not a recruiting thing i mean that, that's more of a schematic thing. 100 percent. you gotta figure out a tackle man like I, did, i'm watching them i'm like yeah. do they do tackling drills like what what i'm know. not trying to pile on here but like what no, is actually no, happening like the the safety no. run fits what? are so flawed that like they're not even close like i, I mean no. adam jones received more resistance against bozeman high school last year than he did on that first carry <laughs> yes he did yes he did i know i know he did um yeah, it's it, it, you're right. I mean, you you you. I don't remember if you were at the game last year, but it's one of the worst. It's one of the worst games I've ever watched last year in San Luis Obispo. I mean, you got Marquis Johnson, who's a backup receiver. Marquis doesn't even start. Who started at running back and had four touchdowns and like a thousand yards on the ground, man. I mean, it was just uh, you're just sitting there going, that that dude that dude's gonna score again. Oh wait, he's he's gonna score again. Yeah, it's just anyway. Yeah, they, I mean, they got Northern Colorado this week at home, you know, so they might, uh, they might, you know, I told you the last couple of years, they finished two and nine, so they might get to three, but it's, uh, as we always say, man, the haves and have nots. The problem is you look at that place and you're like, they kind of should be a have, you know, sure. <laughs> like they, they got a lot of, a lot of good things there. So anyway, they, they got a lot of, a lot of work to do, no doubt. I mean, but yeah, Montana State. They're good, man. I'm just telling you. And when I said that, like they're as good as they want to be, like, I mean, you know, if if they can find some dudes that, that feel comfortable about catching footballs in the in the return game, so they don't have to put a six two, two hundred forty two pound kid from Alaska back there just to give everybody a sense of relief and comfort. I mean, Ty McCullough's got juice, as you oh, saw. Buddy. He's a dude. He's a dude. Marquis Johnson. Dude, I mean, he's you know, I, you know what, you know who they're like, like quietly, strangely starting to miss a little bit is Taco Dollar. I oh no really, question. Ta- 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 Taco Taco really gives an element where not only is he comfortable, like he loves to do it, and you got to be pretty fearless back there to do, to do it. I'm not gonna lie, I mean, that's not an easy thing to do at night in the lights, looking straight up at the sky, blah blah blah. But yeah, man, the, uh, and and you know. The, it's a juggernaut offensively. I mean, 500 plus, you know, offensively, 43 points, which is now probably more, uh, a little bit more. 
after the last game. But but you know you know who's playing really good ball? The defense. The defense yep. is really good. Their their front their front is so stout. I mean their linebackers are very active. You know they're not. You know they're all little squatty body Montana type guy. I mean even Danny Yu. I know Danny Yu's from from Puyallup, but you know he's not tall. They're not long rangy linebackers, but they're just very active and they're allowed to be because their front four is really good. And, and and frankly, the DBs I think are playing. I mean, there there was a lot of, you know, contested balls, good tight coverage. Um, I'm just I, I'm really impressed with the defense, you know. And so like to me, if they can if they can just kind of shore up and, and not just 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 keep working on the special teams, they're it, it, well one. The gauntlet is the next two weeks. I mean, I know I know I know the brawl obviously is down the road but you know on the road at number three sac state and then at idaho and i know we'll get to that game but idaho you know idaho's a good team who you know they they, they drop a game it happens but i just think montana state is really well built and well coached and they got a legitimate chance with it with everything aligning right to make a run man and the thing about the Cats that's so striking to me is is twofold. One, Taco Dollar is certainly one of their best and most versatile players, and he is just one of a variety of guys that have missed time this year that are supposed to be premier players on this team, and n- nobody even notices. I mean, Lane Sumner hasn't played since the first quarter of the first game. Julius Davis, who's one of the best running backs in the conference as Montana State's number two guy, was on the sidelines in street clothes last week. I mean, Jared White's their four-string running back, and you could make an argument that he's a first- or second-team all-conference caliber player. I mean, the guy's got like seven yeah. touchdowns. I mean, the, the statistical proliferation is unbelievable. I mean, they're averaging eight yards a carry for the season. Like, that is that is just stupid. That aside, though, they are not even close to full strength, and they could get many, if not most, of those guys back for the stretch run. They also have this new rule now in, in uh, FCS where – you can play guys the four games or less and still, still keep their red shirt, and then it doesn't count in the playoffs. So you're going to see some more Adam Joneses and guys like that popping up. Godfrey Humphrey, he's been out for a while, so maybe now they can bring him back without fear and burning his red shirt. The last part, though, is if you if you understand the potential of the Cats and the talent that they have on their team, they have truly played really well as a team like four or five times during Brent Vegan's time there. I would say they played really, really well against Sam Houston in the playoffs, against South Dakota State in the playoffs. They played really, really well in the rivalry last year against Montana. I mean, and there's probably been a couple others that I'm not thinking of off the top of my head. They have not even come close to playing a complete game most of the time over the last several years, and they still beat people down, and they're still, you know, I mean, they're still working on a, a, a double-digit Big Sky winning streak. They've only lost one conference game under Coach Vegan, period, in two and a half years. That's what's so uh, interesting to me is that as good as they've been and how they seem to get better every single week they still have so much more room to grow imagine if they start playing complete games week after week after week they could absolutely make a run all the way to the national championship yeah you're and i said that on 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 air it's like you know you didn't even mention elijah elliott you know you mentioned right. scott Trey. scott Trey's still, scott Trey's still like number two or number three in the league in touchdowns he hasn't played in weeks <laughs> i mean it's just it's this it, 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 it's this Yes, I mean you're right. They're 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 good, and I, I mean, like barring a train wreck, you, I mean, you, I mean truly, even if they drop one, you still got to believe they're you know they'll get they'll get the first round by. We're getting way ahead of ourselves here, but like they're 
they're good, man. I mean, I don't, I don't know how else to say it. I just don't know. You know, you look at Montana State at five and one. UM, I know we're going to get to six and one. Idaho's five and two. Sacks five and one. And then there's the AYO. There's the all you others. You know, can can Portland State do anything in the last month and a half to to make noise? I mean, they kind of they kind of are acting like they want to. Idaho State, can they do something? You know, uh, NAU is proving. I mean, the problem is this is you know October is a separation month. And so these teams that, that show flashes, you know, they lose one more, they're done. Like Eastern's probably done, right? NAU's done. I mean, I just don't know how with, with four losses, uh, you, you know, you can you – can, I don't know. It's, it's just going to be interesting. But, yeah, I think MSU is the cream of the crop, uh, both, both on the west in the big sky and, and, and at the FCS level. And now it's just a matter of, you know, how, how – how can they get her done? Are they going to have to go back to Brookings? Who knows? Are they going to have home field throughout? I mean, that's the goal when you're, when you're one of the best in the country, you know? And, and so it's, I, I just, I, I, you have to commend Brent Vegan. I mean, you really do. Like I know early, is, Oh, you know, Jeff chose this and, you know, generational talent that, well, you know what? There's still guys on this team that were recruited by Jeff Choate and they're winning a lot. Like every time they step on the field, they haven't lost but they haven't lost Buddy at home in over four years now. That's crazy to say out loud. The last time they lost was, what was it? I believe it was October 20th or um, I don't even know if it was the 20th, but they lost to Sac State four years ago at home. That's incredible. For, I mean, forever only, ago, only, yeah. Yeah, I mean, only, only, Georgia, only Georgia can match that right now, and they've won back-to-back national championships. So it's nuts. It's, it's, it's fun to watch. I mean, you know, when you when – you, when you not, not come out of retirement, but when you get your football fix every Saturday, like I get to do now by talking about this stuff and watching it, pretty awesome to watch a really good team, and they are. Join Town Pump's Pump It Up Rewards Plus program and never pay full price for fuel again. Save five cents on every gallon every day at any Town Pump across Montana. Plus, earn and redeem points on your favorite in-store items and get free stuff with our clubs. Stop in and pick up a rewards card. Download the Pump It Up Rewards Plus app today. Or visit townpump.com slash rewards to register and start saving. Blackfoot Communications continues to lift up our local entrepreneurs, delivering the resources needed to transform ideas into businesses. Our C2M beta program was founded with the mission to connect local entrepreneurs to more. With access to more professional expertise, more state-of-the-art technology, and more development resources, our 12-week program delivers the foundational and modern skills required to transform influential ideas into thriving businesses. Apply today at goblackfoot.com slash apply. Let's talk about the other game quickly. I know you were on the call, so yeah. um, I didn't get to watch it live because the Cats kicked at six, and then the Grizz kicked at eight. I guess eight thirty. But either way, I mean, the the news of the result uh, certainly sent shockwaves through the entire FCS landscape. Wild to think that Montana was ever an underdog anywhere in any game, but they were. So serious one. There were eleven and a half point dogs going to Moscow, and it was a giant prove it game for Idaho. And I thought that Bobby Houck was brilliant in his sort of uh, attitude that hey, we want it to sell out. We want it to be a vicious environment. We want them yeah. to want to beat us. We want 
their entire fan base to think that beating the Grizz will affirm them as a return to the top of the Big Sky Conference. They fully embraced it. And then they went in there and they, I can't even call it an upset because they just outplayed them. I know it was only a two-point win, but I thought Montana controlled the game from start to finish. They threw the opening punch. They threw the closing punch. And uh, I thought Bobby Houck absolutely coached the pants off of Jason Neck. I think Jason Neck's a hell of a coach. But that was the Bobby Houck of old, just completely tactfully outmaneuvering the guy on the other sidelines. And I thought, uh, I mean, what a win for the Grizz, man. Now they completely turned the corner. uh, Three weeks ago, Ty, it was like, are the Grizz going to make the playoffs this year? Maybe they won't. And now it's like, well, could the Grizz run the table and go have nine wins going into the rivalry game? That's totally in the cards now. Amazing the way they were able to turn the the, uh, tables within the scope of this season. And what a masterful job by Coach Houck and his staff. Yes, uh, all beautifully said by you. I... um... I did get to watch, uh, you know, I, I got to watch, we'll call it a, a decent chunk of the fourth quarter. And what I'll say is this, if, if they lost the game, okay, if, if, if Idaho would have found a way there at the end, I would have pointed to one play. And that was, I, I believe it was a third and short where once again, they just, you know, their offensive line, they, they got stuffed behind the line of scrimmage on a, on a, on a, I think it was maybe a gap scheme play or a run play, but it's like, well, keeps rearing its ugly head. They got out physical. They got dominated at point of attack and couldn't couldn't get a yard when they needed a yard. And then if they were to win the game, which they did, what, what I mean, who which side of the ball like just balled out against a lot of really really potent weapons? I mean, some I was doing a pre Big Sky preseason deal, and somebody you know was talking about the receiver like he's the next Cooper Cup, and I'm like, listen, I know he's a good player. He's a really good player. You're talking about Cooper Cup now. I mean, Cooper Cup is, is, is a flat dude, and he's proven to be a dude. This is not a flash in the pants. He's been a dude for a long time, and not just the big sky, but the NFL. I know, I know the Hatton kid is a good player, but the defense balled. I mean, they balled. I know they gave up some plays late, but my goodness. But I got to see. I mean, they were – I mean, it looked like they brought they – brought, it was a very aggressive game plan, I'll say that. I mean, they were bringing dudes from all over the place. They definitely had – Coach X, big old offensive line, confused. They had that quarterback confused. Uh, you can tell that they have definitely chosen their guy at quarterback, Montana, I'm talking, and are sticking with him and, and, and obviously feel like Slash is giving them a better chance to win. But, yeah, man, that was signature. I mean, and then to watch Bobby, Bobby run out on the field and he's pumping his fist. And, yeah, that looked like – it looked like it, memories of old, my man. That was uh, – that was pretty fun to watch, you know, and, and, and like you and I were talking about last week, like what if, well, shoot, the whole, the, I mean, you talk about a, talk about a, an adjustment uh, in the big sky. Holy biscuits. I mean, my goodness. Now, now, uh, now Idaho is going to be scrapping here the last month. And obviously a lot's going to, we're going to know a lot from the game in Sacramento and, you know, ESPN picked it up. Just like I know they did, you know, you know, it's like, okay, great. Nice job picking it up, ESPN. Do you really have to show it? I mean, like, no. how many people west of Montana are actually going to watch the game until, you know, 1 a.m. or 2 a.m.? Right. really late. And just like just like Montana's against Sac was last year. I mean, I went to bed. I mean, I did. I was like, can somebody score in the morning? I'm, I'm, I'm exhausted. Like, and sure enough, it was a heck of a finish and the foot out of bounds and all that crap. But, um no, man, big time, big time job by Bobby and staff. I thought the defense was incredible. Uh, and what a huge, huge win. And, and 
you and I have talked about this forever. Like win, winning those big games are awesome, but winning on the road, <laughs> winning on the road at homecoming for, a, you know, the little Browns died. I mean, that had to have been a very, very, uh, I'm assuming they busted. I could be wrong, but I'm they did. Yeah. They yeah, that had to make that, that ride a lot sweeter on the way home. And, and what a great time to get a huge win because they get to freshen up now for, you know, a little bit. And they, they get some time to get their minds right and bodies right and make a run. And, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, people – again, I, and I think I said it on TV. It's like, yeah, three weeks ago the pitchforks were out, the for sale signs were out, every, you know, sky was falling, which is which is standard issue in Montana. You can win games and they're still talking about that, or, or, you know. Like it's just not really ever good enough. But but I mean I think some of it was probably warranted. I mean you agree. I mean they weren't playing very good. They, they were really playing terrible. Playing very good football. Yeah, they, I mean they they were. And what a huge signature type win on the season. Well, I got one last left. question that for was, you, and then I'll let you it, go. You, you called yeah. defensive plays in this league for a long time. What does it take to have the balls <laughs> to 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 call basically a a. a three or a two or three man blitz on every single down basically against a guy who's the most elusive quarterback in the conference probably the most elusive quarterback in the country in Javadi McCoy and I mean they had him so confused man I mean he they sacked him six times they had him completely crossed up he threw three picks they probably had another 15 uh, quarterback hits and or pressures and I mean conventional wisdom is you blitz a guy like that, he's going to kill you. And sure, he threw for 330 yards, but it didn't matter. I mean, that, that was the key factor of the game. They erased the run game, and they lit up the quarterback. How much gumption does that take to be able to do that against a guy that is so elusive and skilled? Yeah, uh, it, you, a lot of faith in your secondary. I mean, the, the and I you, I know those secondary coaches, and I know the, the mentality and belief that they have in terms of just who they are as dudes, um, which is obviously reflective of how their kids play. But yeah, you know, it's a, it's a very, um, you know, mentality-wise, some coaches would be like, nope, absolutely not. We're going to drop eight, and we're going to mix and match zones, and, and, and you know, he's going to have time, but, you know, the windows are going to be a lot, lot, lot of dudes in, in coverage. And then, obviously, the other is, no, nah, let's go get him, and he's going to get some yards, but he's, we're going to make him feel us early. Uh, and they did. I mean, he, he, looked, like, he looked like he got – they felt him, uh, or they—he—he he was made aware of their presence literally for 60 minutes up until the end there. And I mean, even that last play, you're like, God dang, is—is—is are they going to do this? You know? And they just said, Screw it, we're going <laughs> to keep doing what we're doing. And sure enough, it paid off in a huge. Who, who was it? Was it Ryder Meyer or who was the? I uh, kill Edwards punched it out with the sack strip, and then of course, uh, in fitting Grizz fashion, Levi Janicaro, number 37 falls on the ball. Okay, Levi. That, that, there you go. So, yeah, I mean, it's crazy. I mean, just, just crazy uh, to think of the last few weeks and, and, and now. What, what, a, what an amazing feeling going into the bye. That's the thing. Like, you know, everybody, you know, people are calling for your heads, and now you're sitting there like, well, we're, we're a top 10 team. And, and when we, like, literally everything is still out there for them. Everything uh, in terms of conference championship, postseason and a run at the big one. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I mean, we can't get too far ahead of ourselves. I mean, even talking about Montana State, it's like, okay, let's pump the brakes. They've got some really tough games coming up, especially on the road. But, God, you, I mean, who knows? I mean, the, the top three, four teams in this league are some of the best in the country. That's kind of being proven each week. I mean, they are. I mean, they're just watching North Dakota State get pounded, and, you know, South Dakota State's good. There's no doubt about it. But, MSU's proven that you know they're absolutely beatable this year. So, 
it's it's the middle of October, man, and we it, what a fun, fun, fun last month and a half, a little over a month we got left to talk about the, the, the league and the FCS, man. It's going to be awesome. He's Ty Gregorak. You can find him on MTN and Scripps for all the Bobcat uh, football calls, as well as here on the Big Sky Breakdown each week, SkylineSportsMT.com. And uh, he will not be uh, on the call this week because it's a national televised game. So, uh, Ty, enjoy the weekend. Hopefully you can stay up late enough to see the end results. Uh, but thanks so much for doing it here today. You bet, man. I will. No, it's, uh, and we're excited to have a little family time and a little downtime. And uh, we'll get right back at it next week in, in Moscow. I, I get to make the trip next week to the Kibbe. So, uh, yeah, man, have a great week and look forward to talking to you next week. Appreciate you. Well, we love new friends here at the Big Sky Breakdown, and we have a new presenting sponsor spearheading our new expansion, Vandals Weekly, but also as a part of the Big Sky Breakdown as a whole, Old Works Golf Course in Anaconda. It's an iconic place, a Jack Nicholas course. If you've never been there, you've never seen it, you got to look up pictures and you got to go check it out. The sand traps, which are prevalent and very challenging, they are all over the place, and they're filled with black sand. It is an unbelievable visual spectacle to see. And that, plus the elements and the way that it's carved into the mountainside there, it makes it an incredibly challenging course. For all you Bobcat and Grizzly people, if you're in Missoula, in Bozeman, in western Montana, in southwestern Montana, it's a perfect center point right in the middle of everything. And the Old Works Golf Course PGA Improvement Center featuring PGA professional Andrew Alamey is now open all winter long. Expert swing and mental coaching for you all off-season. They also have custom club fitting, multiple state-of-the-art trackman simulators. If you're ready to get into golf or take your game to the next level, call Old Works to schedule your winter session, 406 5 There is a lot of things that make Montana great, from the mountains and lakes to some of the finest towns in the West. But what really makes this place special is you. Our communities are full of people who are working hard to build good lives and remarkable things. At Opportunity Bank, our passion is helping folks do just that. Together, we can make a good thing even better. Opportunity Bank of Montana. Stop by and see us or visit us online. Member FDIC. Big Sky Conference Championship action in Missoula this weekend. The Grizz soccer team could clinch and uh, the cross-country championships for both men's and women's in the Big Sky also is here. That's going to be cool because, I mean, Northern Arizona, everybody knows just Northern Arizona's prestige and accomplishments in men's cross country, but now their women's team has risen up as well. And these aren't just really, really outstanding cross country teams for the big sky. I mean, they're ranked number one in the country in both men's and women's cross country. That That's crazy. It's also not crazy because of the tradition there, the program that they run, where they're located there in Flagstaff, Arizona, like some 7,000 feet above sea level, the Olympic training facilities, uh, that they have there as well. So that should be a fun one, uh, too. I know that there's a lot of distance running aficionados in the community that are certainly going to be uh, excited about that. Uh, so a lot of stuff going on in Missoula, including those soccer matches. Uh, do I have this right? Is it Portland State on Thursday or Portland State on Sunday? 
Portland State on Sunday, okay. Sac State Sac on Thursday. Sac State Thursday. Okay, and are, we, are we giving tickets to Thursday or Sunday? I know we gave a couple pairs away the last couple days. So today and the rest of the week, we'll have tickets for the Portland State game on Sunday, which okay. is also senior night. So the Grizz could clinch Thursday, and then they're going to celebrate senior night and, uh, uh, and also have their basically coronation as the Big Sky champs, or they might have to wait till senior day to clinch the thing. Either way, we got tickets for you to Sunday's match. If you call us right now, 406 Actually, text us because I want Andrew to talk about Grizz and Lady Grizz basketball. So text us right now, 406-888-1029. Any text will get you entered in to win tickets to the uh, Montana-Portland State soccer match on Sunday. Uh, Andrew, I was running a little behind last night, so I didn't, I was not able to make it down to Dahlberg Arena. But you were there to take in the uh, Silver and Maroon scrimmage for both the Men's and women's basketball teams. It was actually the women's and then the men's teams. Lady Grizz first, then men Grizz. So I guess we'll start ladies first. Um, what did you think of of the Lady Grizz? They certainly have some uh, formidable and reputable returners, including Carmen G. Feller, who's back for her sixth season, and uh, Matt Coning, who's the reigning Big Sky Freshman of the Year. And, and Libby Stump was also one of the top bench scorers in the league last year as a freshman. So certainly Brian Holsinger's done a good job bringing in some talent, but they also have a whole bunch of new transfers that you got to get an eye on uh, last night. So what did you think of just what you saw there from the Lady Grizz? Well, I thought it was a lot of fun. I think they've got a lot of players who can score the ball, no doubt. Uh, they played two 10-minute halves, and it ended up 42-42 to 42 in 20 minutes of play. So do the math on that, right? Yeah, right. They, they were shooting it really well. They had multiple players. Seems like they should have just played like a couple more minutes to just not have a tie. Or do like a, a free-throw shooting competition shooting or something? Contest. Yeah, something. Yeah, I don't know. Seemed like they shot the ball well, though. I mean, I, did, I watched the evening news. I watched the highlights from our you know our guys, Kyle Hansen and Sean Rainey. It seemed like they have a lot of good shooters. The Iowa State transfer, Maggie Espen, Miller, McGraw, she made three or four three-pointers. Uh, Macy Heward, the freshman, the uh, younger sister of Haley, Haley Heward, Heward, made it at least one, and I think a couple of three-pointers. Libby Stump made a couple three-pointers. Matt Koenig made at least one. Uh, Carmen Feller made one. They've got a lot of girls who can shoot this year. Uh, and they've got a lot of girls who can who can score the ball as well. Um, I'm so interested when you have this is the same narrative the Lady Grizz had last year, except for it's even more accentuated now. When you have a whole bunch of key returners, and then you add a whole bunch of talented newcomers, how do they mesh? And certainly there's only a certain amount of minutes to go around. So someone is going to have to have a demeaned role, like a, a lesser amount of minutes, or, or have to redefine their role. And last year, you saw it a little bit because Matt Koning and Libby Stump came in and were both so good as freshmen. Gina Markson came in and also was good a, as a transfer. And, uh, you know, then they also had the – then you have maybe somebody you didn't expect to play a bunch of minutes – become really good, like Danny Barsh, and then they couldn't keep her off the court, so they had to give her a bunch of minutes, too. They did a decent job of, of minute distribution last year. Well, now, every single one of those, plus Carmen G. Filler is back, and they, I mean, Maggie Espenmiller, or uh, uh, McGraw Espenmiller, is, it was a, what, a four-star recruit out of high school? I mean, this is a young lady that was a big-time Big 12 recruit, and then she had a bunch of injuries at Iowa State. She ends up uh, finishing up here. So, and it's, it's just... I just wonder how they're going to distribute the minutes and then how, if you maybe have your minutes knocked down a little bit, how do you react? How do you fill a, a different or foreign role? Yeah, it'll be interesting to watch. And that's a, that's a coaching issue, right? It's a, it's a, 
it's a coaching challenge, I guess, more than an issue. I'm not really worried about how the top transfers are going to fit in because I think the the top two or three transfers who are really going to play a lot of minutes, I think Brian Holsinger and his staff did a really good job of identifying players who can fill roles. I think, you know, Maggie Espen Miller-McGraw is going to be a floor spacer. I think the Arizona State transfer, uh, Imogen Greenslade, the Australian, yep, yep. She's just going to be a, a, a screener and roller. She's a big body in the post on defense. I think that, that those girls are going to, to have clearly defined roles, and I think they're going to be really good in them. I think the trouble comes when it comes to, you know, the players who you had last year. They had a ton of talent on that team last year. Carmen G. Feller, I think Matt Koenig really needs to have the ball in her hands a lot this year. She looked really, really good, uh, both scoring and distributing last last night. So uh, so where do those minutes go? I mean, is Libby Stump going to have to come off the bench as sort of the instant offense there? Uh, what is Gina Markson's role going to be? And this is a player who's been an all-Big Sky caliber player at multiple schools now. I think Gina Markson's going to be really important for them this season. But it, it, there's just... There are not a ton of minutes to go around when you have, I think, nine or ten girls who can play this year. And, and you know, part of that gets resolved organically, right? I don't think that yeah. – it, it's naive to think that this team is going to be healthy all season. True. It's naive to think that, you know, you're not going to have two or three girls sitting on the bench with injuries every every game. And part of that sure. just helps you resolve this organically. Um, but even if that happens, and, and, you know, not wishing injury on anybody, of course, it's just that happens during a basketball season. Yes. Even if that happens, I think that – we're going to have to see roles get defined, like you said. And I came out of last night thinking that Matt Koenig probably needs to have the biggest role on this team, at least offensively. Mm-hmm. And I think that because of what Danny Bartsch brings def- defensively. And all the other things, energy. And rebounding. Rebounding, blocking shots. I mean, to me, that, that's why you got to go beyond the, the, the points per game type of deal. Right. Danny Bartsch is... How do you how do you say this articulately? She is not the best player on the Lady Grizz. She is the one that has the best chance to impact winning at a at as many different levels as anybody else. Like if she plays her top level, she can be a young lady that changes the game in more different ways than pretty much anybody else on that team. Absolutely, and I think to piggyback off of that, I think they're going to want to press a lot this year. They showed a lot of press yes. last night in the scrimmage. Danny Barch needs to be on the front line of that press, guarding the inbounder and then trapping the ball handler. She's one of the best in the country at that. Well, for sure. She's going to have There's a big There's just not role. a lot of 6'3 gals who could run and jump like her, just anywhere. Exactly right. So she's going to have a big role just because of what she does defensively and with everything else. I think you, you sort of build around those two girls in those two roles and you see who fits in with them, and maybe you try a bunch of different uh, bunch of different lineups early in the season. So what about? Okay, so I have two questions for you. Libby Stump was as as good of a just go to ISO scorer as there was in the league period last year. She certainly has had some limitations in terms of the the overall college game. But I mean, you and I used to always joke like when she goes that little pull up jumper to either her right or her left. It's just I mean, it's as money as it gets in terms of creating your own shot. In the league. You and I were texting last night, though. She's probably going to be in her best form as the the sixth, the, the, the reserve, the, the, you know, the sixth gal on the team. So, I mean, I, I don't know. 
how do you is that important to empower her in that role? Is there any role you can see where her, she's in the starting lineup? I mean, how do you how do you sort of manage that? Is she going to be satisfied? I guess with being well, I guess we won't know until we see it. But it just seems interesting because she's such a highly regarded and, and heralded uh, player. Yeah, it's going to be a real dilemma. I thir- I certainly think you could have her in the starting lineup. I just think that when it comes down to it, I prefer. Well, you can look at it one of two ways, right? Brian Holsinger has made a lot of noise in this offseason about this team being a defensively focused team. Yes. If you are putting your money where your mouth is, yes. you need to have Gina Markson as the starting off guard in the, in the starting lineup. She's a better defender than Libby Stump. That's just facts. I think That's Libby right. Stump is a, is a better defender than she showed last year. I thought she was yes. okay in the scrimmage. Gina Markson has been one of the best guard defenders in the Big Sky Conference for years. Yes, her she, whole career. Her entire career. So if you're going that way, I think you need to have um, Gina Markson in the starting lineup next to Matt Koenig. However, I also think what I saw from Libby Stump last night in the scrimmage, she was struggling breaking that pressure, right? I don't think that she can be the secondary ball handler. I know they tried this lineup with her. Uh, like at the end of the Montana State game in Bozeman last year, they had her running point. Not sure she's going to be able to do that consistently. So in that scenario, why don't you put Libby Stump in the starting lineup next to Matt Koenig? Because you need Gina Markson to be running the offense and handling the ball when Matt Koenig sits. Maybe it's just like a little uh, trifecta where you just rotate them all in. building a business comes from leaving a legacy to ensure your business continues thriving into the future. Have you asked yourself lately, what is your plan? Forming a personalized business succession plan is essential to know the passion you put into your business will carry on. Nick Tabor at Westpac Wealth is here to help you navigate all your business succession and retirement planning needs. Give Nick a call at 728-6699 and keep the spirit of possibility vibrant while making your future more tax efficient with a personalized business succession and retirement plan for you. And also a big shout-out to my guy Kevin over at Westside Private Gym. Kevin has a doctorate in physical therapy, and he is an excellent trainer and physical therapist. The easiest way to explain what my uh, new endeavor with him is, we're trying to break down all the concrete. And as you get older, you, you got a whole bunch of inflexibilities, immobilities. Your body is formed a certain way from all the ways you've been favoring your various bumps and bruises and injuries. And, you know, you can you can make it through, but are you actually living your best life? Are you actually as mobile and flexible and malleable as you can be? And, uh, you know, I've had some knee injuries, some shoulder injuries. And so, I, you know, I work out a lot, but, you know, a lot of times maybe you're training in the wrong way or, or your muscles just aren't firing in a proper fashion. So, we're breaking down the concrete and building it back up. The first couple of weeks of these workouts have been pretty much just physical therapy based, tearing down some fascia, you know, loosening up the muscles, really working on the mobility, working on being mindful with the breathing and the muscle engagement, trying to make the muscles proportionally fire. That's such a key thing. And, and Kevin does such a great job of explaining that. So really appreciate him. Can't wait for the journey to continue. And uh, we'll keep you updated on what's going on over there. But uh, fit during football back for another year and uh, couldn't do it without the Hype House or especially Kevin over there at Westside Private Gym. You want us now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. Andrew Houghton chiming in with us. Talking about the uh, silver and maroon scrimmage from last night. Lady Grizz uh, recapped there. Uh, how about the men Grizz then? To me, I mean, the men Grizz, <laughs> I mean, the headline starts with the fact that you got the most veteran guy in the league coming back for his I don't know, 11th year of college or something. Anand Moody 
has been, I mean, I think this is literally his seventh year between his time uh, at North Dakota and now at Montana. And uh, I guess, and Southern Utah in there as well. He's the uh, second most reputable returning player in the Big Sky Conference. Dylan Jones was a unanimous first team all-league at Weber State's back, but on a was second team all-league, and he was certainly the, uh, the heart and soul and the crowd spark for this Grizz team last year. And then around him, you know, I think that they were they were okay last year. I think they did play better the second half of the year, but I just thought that they were probably a, a, a true like elite player or two short of being actually a real championship contender. Well, they brought in a freshman in Money Williams, who is by everybody I've talked to in and around the program, among if not the most talented freshmen. They've ever brought in. And Travis Secure's brought in some of the great freshmen in Grizz Hoops history. Michael Ogine and Saeed Pridget certainly at the top of the list. So if they're talking about this guy in that same um, breath, he, he's obviously highly regarded. The kid comes from Oakland. He's, um, I mean, you want to say championship, he's highly regarded. What were your impressions? First of all, just describe him. And second of all, can he play next to or, or in the same lineup as Anand Moody? Yeah, Money Williams was as advertised last night. I I would just describe him as he comes off as just like a a quintessential hooper, man. I think he really cares about the game. He's got a very deep bag of offensive moves. He's comfortable scoring at all three levels. He's a a very good, not absolute top-of-the-line athlete, but he's a very good finisher at the rim. He had a very tough mid-range jumper off the dribble to to essentially seal the scrimmage win last night. He also hit a three, Uh, so everything that I saw from him was really good. Left-handed, which is fun. Uh, Doesn't appear to take himself too seriously. He has that sort of vibe, and, you know, I was trying to watch him warm up just because I'd heard so much about him. He has the vibe of somebody, I, th- I thought the two best players in the Big Sky Conference last year on the men's and women's side, I thought Raekwon Battle had this, I thought Kalasia Dean had this for Sac State. Just super unhurried, not rushed, yeah. he's not working up a sweat during warm-ups, he's sort of bouncing on his toes, he- he's very nonchalant when he's warming up, etc., etc. Um, that translates a little bit to the game, he's very smooth. How do you think he will play with next to and Moody? Well, I think it's an interesting question because it's not only how does he play next to Anand Moody, but how, how does he play next to Brandon Whitney as well? Right. All three of those guys are, are guards, essentially. Money yes. Williams is... You know, Money Williams is about 6'4", He's 6'4", right? and he's well-built. He's not slim. But again, Such I think... interesting defensive lineups because Moody is actually a pretty good defender off the ball. Yep. Whitney's a great defender both on and off the ball. He just also happens to be six feet tall and like 170 pounds. He's just not He's just not big. Williams is going to have to be able to guard, I think, because Travis DeCures is not going to roll with lineups where nobody is elite. I mean, Whitney's an elite defender, but he's, he needs more elite defenders for the style they want to play. Yeah, I'm not sure how much you can play those three guys together just because of how well it works. <laughs> defensively, right? There are certain looks where you can. Sure. Right? Against a team like Eastern Washington, though, which they still have Casey Jones and Cedric Coward, who are these 6'7 wings who crash the board super hard. Yes. I just think that playing all three of those guys together is is really untenable. From what I saw last night, Coulter, 
Maybe it's Brandon Whitney who has to take a step back in those lineups. Mm. Maybe you play Moody and Money Williams together as the two guards. You count on on Moody for the ball handling in those lineups and uh, and pick and choose your matchups with Whitney. I'm not sure how it's going to play out. I think it'll be really interesting. Brandon Whitney also looked really good last night. He was he was good at initiating offense, yeah. made some great passes to the corner, of course, same as he ever is on defense. Uh, but Money Williams is certainly making a push to get a lot of minutes early. Last thing. Where is this team going to get rim protection from? Because that was their absolute biggest weakness last year, especially when they tried to turn the corner. They started playing Josh Bannon on the ball, which is great because it gives you this enormous mismatch on offense. You also have this awesome rebounding advantage at any of the guard spots, but they had nobody to protect. I mean, Mac Anderson loved him, loved covering him. I mean, the guy's a foul-a-minute guy during his uh, Grizz career, basically, right? I mean... And Deshaun Thomas is 6'9". He's not, he's not protecting the rim. He had like the two blocks against Portland State, and they tried to make it like a narrative within the season to try to get him going a little bit. Uh, I, I just wonder where are they going to get rim protection. They have, I mean, they have Lou O.K. back, from, who was, uh, you know, came on strong at the end of last year. And they brought in Tejon Sawyer, who looks like a huge body when I've seen him practice. Do they have anybody that can then sort of guard the paint, man the paint? They do not. They didn't last year either, though. And I think yes. a couple. Re- well, first of all, Lauluoki looks really good. He does, and he did. He, he looks. He looks fit. He looks well, way, he way looks more. Com- <laughs> he did last year, but he looks way, way more confident on offense. That's good. He did have a couple blocks last night. They were both against Tejon Sawyer, I think, who's about six six. Yeah. So he's got a couple inches on him in the post. Uh, no, I think it might just be like last year, where their best rim protector was Josh Vasquez the entire year. Oh man, which is tough, and you never want to go into a season without that. But I think that they are. Potentially a better rebounding team this year on defense. Okay. Because I think Lau Luoki is going to be able to stay on the court. He's going to be able to stay out of foul trouble. And he's going to be playable on the offensive end. You know, last season, not only did they not have any rim protection, Josh Bannon was their only rebounder. That's right. Their only above average defensive rebounder. He was clear in the glass by himself. This year, I think, you know, you don't have Bannon. But I think Oki's going to be very effective in that role. Deshaun Thomas is okay in that role. I think Jordan Williams is a good rebounder for his size. Uh, Tejon Sawyer's... an interesting player. He didn't play all that well last night. I think he's a good rebounder for his size if he gets minutes. So I think they they might be better there. But you're right. I mean, rim protection is hard to find. They, who it is. who in the conference has a guy who's who's an at you know Jabril Bello and Great Osabor are not at Montana State anymore. That's right. That's Ethan right. Price at, at Eastern Washington's a good one. Ethan Price is. I mean, the big boy at Weber State, Alex Pugh, is two. Yeah, he oh two right. He's he's limited offensively, but he's seven feet tall. So I mean that that in itself that gives you a little bit of an advantage. I don't know. Uh, last one here on the Grizz, and then we'll get out. What uh, is there a role on this team for Jackson Knapp? He's a guy that showed some flashes last year. What well, was he out there? Did he do anything yesterday? He was out there yesterday. He was he was he was sloppy for most of it. Um, sloppy when, you know, not a great handle still, but he's just really interesting because he's left-handed. He's 6'8 yeah. or whatever, and he can shoot it a little bit. He made, yes. I think, 1-3, so he's a guy who maybe can space the floor, and I think that's the role that they want to have him in this year. I mean, last year he was a complete luxury player. He played last year as a freshman, yeah. but in, in blowouts either way, right, yeah. or for a couple minutes here or there. This year I think they're trying to – 
actually find a role where he can come out and help you because just having a guy who's that long and can move that well on the court helps you if he's able to stay out there. So I think he's going to be primarily a spot-up shooter early in the year. And then maybe as he gets more comfortable, you see him on the ball more. Maybe you see him as a screener and pick and roll actions more because he can pop off of that screen. Yeah. Um, and and he, he has the potential to be... Uh, you know, a good and potentially impactful defender as well. So I, I think he'll get some minutes. Tough, tough yesterday, too, because Deshaun Thomas wasn't playing. Josh Vasquez wasn't playing. So we saw a lot of a lot of minutes for a lot of guys who I'm not sure what their role is going to be this year. Well, I, I know this. Uh, covering Travis DeCure for as long as uh, we have, so many of these questions are going to come down to one question. Can you play defense like TD wants you to play? <laughs> if, you, if you can't stand, get up to the standard of what Travis DeCure wants defensively, uh, you ain't playing. And so I think that's going to be uh, the defining thing uh, for this Chris basketball team. So it'll it probably be something that works itself out during this uh, non-conference. We were going to talk some Sac State, Montana State football, uh, and we kind of blew through that. So uh, we'll give you a couple of quick thoughts early uh, in the week here and then uh, maybe get to some more uh, later on in the week as well. Of course, we have Andy Thompson and Brent Vegan both joining us tomorrow to preview the game too. But we'll take one more break, and we'll be back right after this. Keep it right here, ESPN Radio. Blackfoot Communications just launched new business services delivering big value to smaller firms. With reliable voice, fast internet, business-grade Wi-Fi, and around-the-clock support, Blackfoot ensures you remain connected to your customers, employees, and communities throughout the day, every day. For more information, go to blackfootsmallbusiness.com. Connect to more with Blackfoot Communications. Join Town Pump's Pump It Up Rewards Plus program and never pay full price for fuel again. Save five cents on every gallon every day at any Town Pump across Montana. Plus, earn and redeem points on your favorite in-store items to get free stuff with our clubs. Stop in and pick up a rewards card. Download the Pump It Up Rewards Plus app today. Or visit townpump.com rewards to register and start saving. Town. 